Topa Talk. Hello, today we are interviewing the beautiful Callie. She has an amazing story. She moved here to Ventura at age seven or eight. Um, she was seven here, or eight. Seven or eight. It's yeah, up in the air. My, I'm not my memory sure. is is shoddy at best. Yeah. Okay. So you know, around that time, it's hard to know. Uh, and she went to, off to college, the University of Washington, and then to Arizona State. She played basketball at both places, and then she got to travel the world playing basketball, which is amazing, and hopefully we could dive into some of that. Mm-hmm. She's currently brewing beer. She uh, writes poetry. She runs a poetry slam night at Casa... I'm sorry. I'm Agria. Agria. If you're trying to get <laughs> l- l- legit. I am emphasis, trying to be legit. The emphasis is on the first A. That's the only thing at that point that matters. Okay, amazing. Um, she also does like custom poetry for people. She does pop-ups where she'll just sit there. Someone comes and orders poetry and boom, she writes it right on the spot. She also runs art shows with a friend. She's a modern day renaissance woman. Yeah, she's uh, killing it. God, what was I? I was, I was listening to another podcast the other day and they, they said that the this woman was... Uh, convicted basically for having victoria female victorian habits or something yes. like that and i was like that's an <laughs> aspiration like, <laughs> if there ever was uh, goals yeah they're like there's a picture of her smoking a cigarette and her child got taken away from her i was like Geez. oh man yeah. yeah we're lucky to so, be women in 2019 right? yeah. yeah seriously so let's dive right into it so you tr- you were able to travel the world, yeah. yet you landed back in Ojai. I am like, trying to know what position. Why Ojai? I, I want to know what position you played. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So, uh, okay, we'll start with, like, the basics because this isn't visual. So, I'm 6'4", like 6'4 and a half. Yeah. So, um, as they say in the sports world, you can't teach height. So, from a very young age, I started playing basketball. Like, say I was eight years old when I started playing. Basically, like, the year after I moved to Ventura. Okay, so we're saying she moved here at seven. So, it ha- yeah, it had to have been seven, <laughs> I guess. Or within the year, yeah. So, uh, VYBA, if you're a local, Ventura Youth Basketball Association. That's where I started off. <laughs> yeah, shout out. Um, and then, yeah, I played Ventura High School, and then I got a scholarship to University of Washington, and then I played at Arizona State, and then... Why the switch? Did you not like... Uh, I didn't like the coach at the University of Washington. Yeah, and that really matters, by the way. It does. People always say, like, oh, so if you feel the university is good and, like, you like the team. I was like, no, it's your coach. Like, she's going to make your life a living hell or she's going to make your life happy. So Yeah, totally. Uh, I transferred. Uh, Did you know, that. like, right away? Like, were you just, like... Sh- yeah, there's actually a pretty gnarly story to it. I signed to a coach and then, like, two months in, she got fired before oh. I'd even gone to college. Oh, no. So there's a new coach I'd never even met before I even went there. And then I went there, and I hated it. And then I transferred. And Arizona State was a much better fit basketball-wise. I mean, Seattle was way doper. And the school there at the University of Washington, if you've ever been, is, like, incredibly it's gorgeous. So beautiful. And, yeah, I, like, considered quitting basketball to, like, stay Just and go to stay school there. there. <laughs> it would have been a mistake. But, uh, yeah, so then I transferred to Arizona State. It was all for basketball. And then I became a free agent as it were, and some some woman was crazy enough to sign me, and yeah, she got me jobs in China and Poland and New Zealand and Sweden. So wait, did you yeah, play for amazing. different teams, or it's one team that travels? Uh, I don't, I, it, I don't understand. Exactly. Okay, it's, it's different. It's kind of like, um, it's a bit like the WNBA, so like each country has their own league, Okay. and then these teams are allowed to have like two to four Americans or foreign players on their team. And so I was one of these foreign players who would get signed to a team for a season. So I played for seven months in Poland. In China, it was like a tour. So it was actually an American team. 
and we wore USA jerseys, but we were not the USA <laughs> team. Uh, that was just like a month long tour. And then I played in Sweden for seven months. And then New Zealand is like, they're starting out kind of in the professional basketball league. It's actually semi-professional. So that was like a three month long season. So when you're in the different countries and like, do they, did a lot of your team members speak English or like, I would was say there like a everywhere, but, um, Poland. Poland, we had a, a rule amongst, there was four Americans on the team. The rule was if you weren't speaking English, you weren't speaking to us. Because a lot of times they were just speaking in Polish. The coach mm. did, knew very little English. Like his favorite word was stupid. Oh, no. So this <laughs> is no stupid foul. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a, the, the Poland was the only country I think that there was a like language barrier. Have so you ever been say. ejected from a game? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, let's talk about so that. Like, what, are you, would you consider yourself an aggressive player? Uh, yeah, I had uh, an alter ego when I played. I think I led the team in technical fouls. It's the only place that I am aggressive is when I play yeah, basketball. Callie, yeah. I've known for 2.5 minutes. She's and very, she's she seems so gentle. Calm. Yeah. I, it's the only place that I let my aggression I, out. I would definitely, f- I, I enjoyed fouling myself when I played. It's, you know, especially when you're like it's not like I enjoyed her it's like in the moment you're just like fucking in the moment it's like something about it yeah it's yeah. so exciting that's what I was called I was called a passionate player there I also go. was like yeah I also aggressive. had to foul people that was also like oh, my yeah. coach was like you're gonna stand right there you're gonna get a foul but you're fucking taking her out and I'm like okay <laughs> yeah I was like absolutely <laughs> yeah it was like an unintentional goon yeah in basketball yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just also much larger and like I'm not like big, big, but like I'm solid, and so there's a lot of times where yeah. I would just do like a a slight hip check, and someone would go flying. Oh, yeah. and I'm like shit. <laughs> I'm powerful. Yeah. So. So did you just decide that you were done playing basketball, or you just wanted to come back to the states? Like, wh- how did that transition? Oh, how I happen? came back. Yeah. Um. So my last season was in Sweden, and I loved the team. I loved the city. I loved the whole like experience. Uh, I feel like basketball is very much um. How would I say it? Your motivation needs to be on your potential and mm-hmm. narrowing the gap of your potential. So say you have all this potential and you never reach it. But if you can narrow the gap to your potential, like that is motivation to get better and get better. And at the end of my last season, I was just kind of like, yeah, that was pretty good. I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have the, the drive I had at the end of every other season to like, I need to do this better and that yeah, better and that you're better. Yeah, like, how can I work on my mechanics? Yeah, I just like felt very at peace and content. And yeah, I was, I wanted to be in the same place for longer than like four months at a time. Yeah, yeah. like traveling was dope. It was really cool. I got to see some things and do things I never would have been able to. But to be in one place and be able to have like lasting friendships and like possibly a relationship and like see your family more than once a year yeah so does your family still live here yeah my uh okay. my mom and dad still live here my brother moved to austin texas like three Ooh, shout out ago. i'm a texas girl there, there for go. eight years yeah so my brother's uh is in austin now he moved there like three years ago so but yeah the fam the fam is out here so is that why you chose to come back to ohio did you consider moving to, to um any other? yeah well when i moved back the first job i got was working for ohio unified school district i like, drove kids to school <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome <Yeah. laughs> and uh, also terrifying yeah. yeah yeah not in the buses thank god i didn't have that class of license but i had like the kids who lived in the boonies in ohio mm-hmm. i would go drive and like pick them up and take them to school that's cute um and there's a couple kids who went to like special schools in camarillo and like 
they were the naughty kids. Oh. Uh, the uh, behavioral problem right. children. <laughs> so the, there, there we were, go. There Quite were nicely. a couple. There were. This was like a five-year-old one time, and I was like, "How is he a behavioral problem?" And then I found out that he would like throw his shoes at teachers and stuff. Oh, so. I love him. Yeah, he was really kind to me, <laughs> yeah. but like I wasn't his teacher. He wasn't having it in the classroom. Yeah, no. So uh, I will say that of all the places I've been around the world, there's amazing places, beautiful, gorgeous, whatever. There is some weird bubble of balance and beauty and weather and all of that that happens within Ventura in mm-hmm. Ohio. Yeah, and totally. Like, I grew up in Ventura. My dad works in Ohio, has, like, basically my whole life. So there is just this bubble here that's just – it's hard to find anywhere else. I've – Never found it anywhere else. Yeah, I think we. And can you've traveled the world. Yeah. You've heard it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> A world traveler. Yeah, we're thing. in the best place. <laughs> yeah. I'm still frustrated at those magazines. They're like the best kept secret. I was like, go oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> Just told everybody. Yeah, you're like, no. Shh. Okay, so how did you get into brewing beer? So that happened when I moved back as well. I also felt like I was missing out on so many aspects of life because basketball is all encompassing. It takes over your life. So when I moved back, my dad has been brewing beer for years, and I was always interested, and it was cool, but I was never around. So when I moved back, I started brewing with him in, a, in our garage, and, you know, first I was on, like, the shitty duties of, yeah. if you know anything about beer, there's... <laughs> cleaning the... Cleaning, and then there's <laughs> milling in all the grain, which is literally, at home, is just a, an electric screwdriver connected to, like, a grain mill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I do, used to do that, and then uh, sparge watching... This Whoa, is the what's most that? boring thing in the world. And so you transfer beer from the mash, which is just where all the yeah. grain and water is, and then you sparge it into the boil kettle. And that means that you have to like make sure that there's just the amount of water going through so it doesn't like force the mash down. And there's mm. anyways, it's like you literally have I to didn't watch realize that. water trickle out of a receptacle for like an hour <laughs> and like oh, we gotta adjust it. it's too much and oh now it's just trickling and then this is yeah, oh, yeah your dad was sad. definitely excited to get stoked. you on board <laughs> he was like in his recliner in like in like the he's living like, room it's too much water he'd come out and he's like how's the spark till it came <laughs> what's uh what style of beers were you making uh my dad usually he makes pretty basic ipas and like he'll make a wee heavy, some stouts. He likes to do a lot of stuff. My dad's really good at making alcohol just in general. I don't know. He's got a skill with it. Love that. Yeah. And so uh, basically that I am in love with sour beer. That's my jam too. Sours are amazing. They definitely are not for everybody. But like I Is said. Is that what Casa Agria? Yeah. Did I say it right? Casa Agria. Yeah. It. It's, uh, it means sour house in Spanish. So that's why. It was, like, the number one brewery I wanted to work at. Like, I applied to a couple, but, like, Casa was the one I wanted to work at because it had the, the beer that I liked the most. And nowhere else in Ventura has a lot of sour options. Yeah. And we specialize in it. Where, so. are the, where is Casa Agria located? Uh, it's deep. Uh, it's, like, the border of Oxnard and Camarillo. It's off Del Norte. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you drive by all the agricultural fields. Yeah. It's in an industrial complex, like, past all the fields. Yeah. Awesome. Like, oh, is it? Costco's closer than that, huh? Uh, it's like one exit okay. from away after Costco. I'm yeah, kind of mad at happens. you for not bringing us samples. Yeah, so I now actually. it was early. So I was tired. So we're gonna have to meet up again. No beer. <laughs> Next time, and I have an excessive <laughs> amount of beer in my house. I'm not saying that's why we asked you to be on the show, but no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm totally I will. Kidding. I will bring it. No, no, I will. no. No, honestly, I have excessive amounts of beer, we'll and it's one thing it. I don't remember. So, do they have a tasting room, or are you guys just making beer there? 
We have a tasting room. It's pretty small, but we're open seven days a week now. Um, we'll have to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got, we specialize in sour beers, obviously. And then also, I think our biggest moneymaker is uh, IPAs, though. We make hazy IPAs, mm. which has been so claimed popular. as a... Do you think that bubble is going to pop? I hope point. not because we've only made hazy IPAs ever since we opened over three years ago. So yeah, yeah, our head brewer—that's all the IPA he's ever made. Like it was when hazy IPAs became a trend, everyone was like, "Oh, hazies are a trend." And my head brewer is like, "I've been making these for like three years." Yeah, yeah. like um, that's just the style he likes. He doesn't like really hoppy West Coast beers. So, yeah. is there a style of beer that you think is uh, underrated? Mm, yeah, I don't think people. Uh, I don't know if people just haven't tried it enough, but just like a really good basic Saison. Mm. I also think just really basic beers, like without all these adjuncts and different things, yeah. like really simple beers that are just like really easy to drink. Like the most simple beers are the hardest to get really good, like and do it right. I bet. So yeah, like a lager or a Pilsner or a Saison, like really basic, simple, no adjunct beers. If you can get those right, like that's... Yeah, because I'm guessing if you add a bunch of citrus, it can like hide some flaws that are in a beer so I get what you're yeah. saying we're like doing it right over and over again I remember when I was listening to a master Som talk about Coors Light so random but he was like those big companies get shit for making like this beer but the fact that they can do it time and time again over and over again and be consistent and it have that same like simple flavor is actually like a big deal yeah and I think was it Ventura Coast they make a beer called like vc light oh amazing and a lot of people gave him shit for it and like yeah it probably isn't my favorite beer in the world but to do a light beer like you're saying like a Coors yeah. or a bud light if you can do those correctly it is hard to make taste good right so there is definitely a craft in that so i i have a big alcohol lover we've talked about i probably talk we about like alcohol, alcohol in every <laughs> podcast um but beer is where i struggle the most mm. like i yeah Melissa is not a beer drinker, but which is why I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, a big reason why I like sours is because they remind me a lot of not beer. Like they remind yeah. me of like wine or mm-hmm. uh, like kombucha. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they, they feel like such a like departure from I would say every other style. Not to sound like a beer snob. No, no, correct me. This, no, but this what I'm saying is you, you probably don't like hops. And I think that's a really big focus in a lot of beer, whereas in sours, the hop is minimal. It's like two pounds in a giant, like, 10-gallon, 10 10-barrel 10 batch. Like, hops are not the focus. There's And why it reminds you of sours because we age all of our sours in wine barrels. And oh. why it reminds you of kombucha is because a lot of times you use live bacteria and cultures that create a pellicle similar to kombucha. Like get that like yeah. live brain. Scoby, yeah. yeah. So it is, it's that same process. So it doesn't have the same beer quote unquote taste as a lager or a IPA or a palo. Like those are all hop focused beers. Yeah. yeah. And I just had my very first sour that I enjoyed the other night with uh, Tara, you, you and Tara. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with sours, but I also don't think that I've had enough. I feel like I had one or two that I was like, how are people drinking this? And now I'm like, I don't really like sours. Without like like really giving them an opportunity, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Whereas like if I pick up an IPA or if I pick up a pale ale, like I pretty much know what I'm getting. Like, you know, there's, there's not a huge deviation from that. But with sours, I feel like the whole world is like... You could do so much, so much different. So, and yeah. it's also like way harder to replicate. 
way harder because you're aging some of our beers up to we have a beer that we just released that was aged three years so oh that's so cool and maybe we're, so we're gonna get a drink yeah we got to. i will bring i will bring you guys casa <laughs> no, beer because i feel like an ass right now no uh and i think too with with sours with fruit similar to wine mm-hmm. is that every batch of fruit is going to express differently exactly. and so to create a replica of something is is hard you know like Maybe this fruit was riper this time. Maybe the season was too dry with this crop. Maybe, you know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. you're right. And we're, we're getting fresh barrels from Casa Barranca uh, nice. up oh. in Ojai. That's the I barrels that, that we get. Yeah, so we get all of our barrels from them. And then we also do our best to, we're like partnered with a local farmer. I think he's deep Oxnard, like almost Camarillo border, where he comes and takes all of our grain to feed his cows. <sighs> And at the end of a brew, and then also all the fruit we get, we get from like apricot lanes and different farms. Like try to be as local as possible. Okay. We try to do all I'm whole obsessed. fruit. We don't like to do puree if we do, if, we, no. if we can. Yeah, like yeah. there's some that you can't. Like you can't get that many fresh berries yeah. and fresh cherries. Totally. I guess you cannot do it. But to anything we do that's apricot, pluot, plum, anything like that, it's all that's like whole fruit. So where can we find? The beers. Are you in restaurants? Do you sell retail? Are you direct to consumer? We're very low distribution. So we sell uh, basically some we sell to Fluid State. So awesome. every once in a while, Fluid State will get a keg from us. Ooh. Bottle and Pint in Oxnard and Newbury Park sometimes from us. And then sometimes rarely we give to Two Trees, which okay. is a restaurant in East, yeah. East Ventura. But uh, we're basically like 99.9% at our tasting room in Casa. That's the best yeah. way to, yeah. I think. Like We'll just... expand one day. but Yeah, how, how, many, how much beer can you make in that facility? Uh, we have a 15-barrel brew system, but right now we only have four 15-barrel fermenters online. So we can make three, so we can make 45 barrels of clean beer, and then we have a fermenter that's uh designated to wild ale so we can do 15 barrels of wild ale and 45 barrels of clean beer at a time okay you and the turnover uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm like really impressed so yeah basically once a month to up to two we can we can use it's usually about one beer per month but we have been moving through more quickly like two to three weeks on a fermentation so and then how many taps do you have like pouring we have 17 taps okay amazing Holy yeah there's cannoli. a lot to go through there yeah <laughs> and it's n- it's probably 70 percent sours so that's awesome yeah. that's exciting yeah. all right have, let's like, let's talk poetry yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's switch it up this is this is, we have to I, monitor ourselves we, every podcast we really brought you on to talk about poetry <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we and stephanie and i like just get like i could fixated. talk about alcohol forever yeah um so when did you start writing poetry how did this like become part of your life uh, I feel like the more important question is when I started sharing my poetry, Ooh. because I honestly was that kid who like, I read the typical Shelf Silverstein mm-hmm. and Dr. Oh, Seuss same. and I, if it rhymed, I like fell in love. And so I think the first time I learned to read and like found out words rhymed, I like freaked out. I was like, words can rhyme. And I got really <laughs> into it. And I started writing like really simple poems. I found a notebook where I have poems written in 1999. So that means I was 10 years old. So I've been writing poetry for a long time, but I never shared it with anybody. Yeah, I I was the same way. I just fucking wrote poetry constantly. I have old poetry books I was going to bring because they're hilarious. They're ter- terrible. Why yeah. didn't you? I should have. I, you know, 
if Maddie Leroy's listening, we have a YouTube video of me in high school <laughs> reading my like middle school poetry, and it's really embarrassing. But anyway, I totally get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Where you're coming from. I think I wrote. Uh, <laughs> I think I e- I mailed email, and it was back. Oh, yeah. I didn't Snail have an email. When, I didn't have an email <laughs> when I was like ten years old, but. I had mailed in and out a poem I'd written for them, and I was con- I was so convinced that they were gonna like pick it, and it was gonna become their song. And, <laughs> and I don't remember all of it, but the one line I do remember is, uh, "The lettuce is fresh, and the meat's never frozen. In and out is where I'm gozing." Oh, oh. damn! And you like? <laughs> no, I love it. You like? Ma- you were making up your own word there a little bit. I, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Shakespeare. I try to make up words whenever I can. Amazing. So when did you start sharing? your poetry i started sharing it uh secretly on tumblr in high school oh so amazing. did you, you have just, a like, um, post it. i had a secret i had a pseudo writing name yeah what's I it had, called there's what, a yeah, what, it has a word i should know that oh my gosh I I an alias no it's no a... for writers like t.s Eliot, and like other people who don't want their people to know their real names a lot of women writers do it they like yeah they'll do it under like a man's Dan. name <laughs> what is it it's called oh, i'll come, I'll come yeah, to yeah, yeah yeah let's look it up and figure it out but uh Mine was, I assigned every poem as W.C, and it meant who cares. Amazing. <laughs> so my Tumblr was like, who cares? And I posted all my poetry under there under who cares. Like, I didn't put my real name. And I didn't tell anyone I had the Tumblr. And I started, like, kind of getting into this weird literary community on Tumblr. And I would share poems with those people. But then I started getting uh, subconscious because I wrote poetry in a way to where I was... Uh, insecure with people reading it like I feel like I had to say it out loud because I put emphasis on certain words and I have a very unique rhythm um that just has kind of developed over time I watched a lot of Def Jam poetry and yeah we watched one of your YouTube videos before you got here today and I loved it it was like the women's hips one oh hips yeah (laughs) that is that's one of my favorite poems yeah uh so that's when I first like first sharing it and then the first time I shared it publicly was probably in college when me and my one of my teammates used to write raps for games, like as our warm up, we yeah, would like course. create a short rap like to make fun of or like get us hyped up for the team we were playing yeah. against. And then my friend's like, Oh, so you write, like we should write and then like I pulled out a notebook one day and she's like, Holy fuck, like you write a <laughs> okay, lot. Wait, you really write. <laughs> yeah. I was up till three, four in the morning when I should have been doing homework writing poetry. Um and then my friend took me to a slam night in Arizona in Tempe specifically i'm not gonna remember the name of the theater but there was this random like slam poetry night and she took me there or you know open like slam or spoken word as it were mm-hmm. and i went there the first night with her and i was like oh my god like these are my people these are like i they say like they say the poetry that i'm wanting to say like it's in a very particular way and so then the second time i went she signed me up without telling me and so it's a small theater Ooh. like there's maybe 20 people in there and so they call my name and everyone's always clapping and i'm like no no Matt i'm like what do you it. mean no and i was like i didn't sign up my friend's like pointing at me and at this point like everyone is literally clapping and chanting for me to go up on this stage and i was shaking so much you could hear the paper Aww. fluttering in the mic but i did it and after that it was like it was terrifying did you get such a high from and it? it yeah it became an addiction and so I still to this day like will shake when I'm behind a mic, but I've learned to not bring paper on stage so you can't hear the <laughs> yeah, fluttering. Or see it. And I've gotten much more comfortable now that I host a slam poetry night. Like, yeah, I used to just walk up behind a mic and be like a performer at certain open mics. And there's poetry nights in Ventura I can tell you guys about. But 
now that I host them and I'm in front of a mic and I have to like bullshit and talk and I get really uncomfortable if there's not like at least a slight laughter or even if they're laughing at like me that's fine like I just if it's yeah. quiet out in the mm-hmm. audience it gets me nervous so I've become much more comfortable behind a microphone. Yeah, and you get a chance to warm up with the microphone. Because yeah. when I did the speech classes, which I, I loved, I used to always be the student. Like, because you had to load, you have to like wait in line basically. So I used to start telling the teacher, like, I'm going to sit in the front while the person does their, mm. where they do their speech so I can load my speech next or whatever. But I got an opportunity to sit in front of the class and have their mm. eyes, even though they're not watching me, like, such a warm up. It's so nice to get yeah. a chance, like, just to get a little loose. And yeah, you're so much better. I'm sorry if you already said this. Where do you host? The- I host the Slam Night in particular at Casa Algria. So it's at the okay. brewery. Awesome. And that is the second Wednesday of every month. Hey, yo. Second Wednesday. Yeah. What time? So you can have beer and watch poetry. Yeah, and we always and- have food trucks. Oh. Mm-hmm. We have a one food truck who is pretty much committed to coming to every Casa Slam because he loves it as much as we do. Aww. And it's called Woodstock Farina. They do. Um, they're pizza food trucks, so they're a wood fire pizza food truck, and Amazing. they don't have vegan Ugh. cheese. But we have got a couple of vegan, uh, a couple of vegan coworkers, so they make the pizzas without cheese, and they're super. They'll make a vegan option and do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, I, lo- I, I really like vegan pizza. So, is the poetry community strong in Ventura County? Uh-huh. Like, how do you guys yeah. find each other? Yeah. <laughs> it isn't the strongest community. Um, I actually started doing the slam in particular because the only place you can go to get slam poetry is like Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so there's a slam night. I used to go down there all the time, but it's such a drive. And then I have a car now that's not dependable. So driving down to L.A. <laughs> yeah. every week is kind of a hassle. And so I attempted to start a slam night a couple years ago with a friend and it did not have a good turnout. It was at a li- it was at the library downtown Ventura. Oh, yeah. There's got to be alcohol. Exactly. There's no alcohol. It's like there's no. It's really stagnant. It's bright. It was just not the right environment. And then I tried to do some poetry nights at like the saloon, and there's just people Too drinking. Rowdy. Yeah. There's literally like drunk dudes in the back yelling and like. Love saloon, but not the place. No. But not, not the place for poetry. It was hard to find the right environment for a slam night in particular. And then I brought it up to my bosses, and they were more. They were very excited to get it started. So I did that. I know a lot of the poetry community um, as a base. Slam poetry, not really, but everyone is excited to get into it. And then it actually was really cool to see my poetry friends challenge themselves to write slam poetry. Yeah. So now it has a really good following and it's kind of gotten its own legs and started walking. So Is there like a cover charge to come? Like if me and Stephanie mm-hmm. wanted to come watch... Totally free. It's just well, 21 okay. and over. There's no minors allowed in the brewery because it's an that Oxnard. Make, well, that makes sense, too. Yeah. yeah. Dogs allowed, for sure. Oh, okay, we're, we're in. We're, we're there. <laughs> Dogs, no kids. Um, but yeah, it's it's 6.30 to 9, but uh, 6.30 to 7, there's a vinyl DJ who plays. Fine. So always keep it old school with the records. And then from 7 to 8 is a competition. So I get like three to four poets every month to compete. And the winner gets like a piece of merch or some beer. And then from eight to nine is an open mic. So and it's poetry driven open mic. Is it also just like spoken word? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've seen you do poetry somewhere in Ventura, like at a little cafe, the Waypoint. The Traveler Traveler Cafe. Cafe I used to host an open mic there, but they canceled that. Okay, I was gonna say because we had a friend, Holly Holly O'Day, her niece. Yeah, did jokes. She did a comedy routine. Yeah. There. She's like a little girl. Dude. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really cute. That's I know. Awesome. I'm kind of bummed that that open mic can't. Uh, they canceled that, but it was cool. It was just a general open mic, so yeah. it was music and comedy and all the stuff. So that was fun. But 
now it's giving me more time to focus on which I might actually start a just general open mic at Casa too soon. Yeah. Do you ever get writer's block? Oh, for sure. Yeah. The what only do, you do like get I I get writer's block writing an email. Like I just <laughs> silent I silently brood. <laughs> yeah. Um the only place I don't get writer's block, which is a fucking miracle, is when I do my custom poetry. So for some reason, if I'm either doing my pop-up store, which is called my poem store, and that's just like at various events around Ventura, I don't do it that often just because I started a second job and I work like 60 plus hours a week. So (laughs) it's not a lot of free time. Yeah. But I do a lot of custom poetry where I just do it on my own time. So what happens is people contact me. They give me a topic or like a general thing like, hey, it's my friend's birthday and she's really into this and this is our inside joke or whatever. And so I sit down with that and I write the keywords down. And for some reason, when someone gives me a topic to write about, my brain just like opens and I can write. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's it, it's stupid. I I've chosen to not question it or try to d- dive yeah. into it because I'm over in a little cold to begin with. Are you a Virgo? Same. I'm a Leo. Oh, okay. but I'm a non-typical Leo. I have a lot of Leos in my life. I have a non. I'm, my boyfriend's a non-typical Leo. I have a Scorpio rising. Mm. Capricorn and Scorpio are like my stronger personality traits. They say that's where creativity. Like the, I have, I don't really know. <laughs> be honest yeah I don't really I, I know here's the thing I know about Virgos because I am a Virgo but I don't That's know about it. shit about yeah. anything else. I've been I definitely have like the Leo attributes like I've got the big curly yeah, hair yeah I was about to say your really hair is strong amazing yeah. Well, thanks. But yeah, so that that's uh, basically as far as I know. I feel like your life could be made into a movie. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. have how I'm interesting. So who would play oh. Callie oh, in the yeah. movie about your life? That's a good question. It's it's also weird that I've never been told that I look like anybody. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you like I have a lot of friends. Like, oh, you look like them or you look like this actor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't you know. You kind of give me like... A, like um, What's that? I hate myself right now. I can't even remember what I was going to say. It's, uh, what is that movie? Sorry. I'm no help in that department. I can remember lines from movies. I can remember entire plot lines, but I do not know people's names. Or TBD, the movie names. I'll come back with you that. C- you get, I feel like Jennifer Lawrence could be a good option for you. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I'm just trying to think of like, someone needs to be uh, like of stature and like. Yeah, that's true. Hair. And have lots you, of hair. <laughs> well, you can fake hair. That's not that important. We'll, you'll have to brainstorm this and, and come yeah. back to us because your life we'll is like way out. too interesting to not be a movie. Yeah. So what are you wanting to do coming up? It sounds like you are interested in maybe doing a more general open mic, but what else is on the horizon for you? Uh, yeah, I am this year, 2019, put it on the record. I am going to write a, well, not I've written most of it, but I'm going to put together a poetry book. Yes. So I will have a printed, yes. published poetry book this year. That was going to be my next question. So are you published? Do you have any works published currently? Uh, in like my friend's local like zine-esque. That's fine. He like okay. did home printed little zines here's and the I'm deal. in that. That's about it. Here's the deal, Callie. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did speech in college mm-hmm. and there's a whole section like poetry. And so... I have a lot of friends out there that are still in the speech world that are constantly looking for new oh, poetry. No the only rule is that it has to be published somewhere. Oh, I see what you're saying. So well, I might self-publish. That counts, right? That counts. That it totally just, counts. Yeah. yeah, it just needs to be published somewhere. So keep us. Yeah, keep I've us been rejected from multiple <laughs> poetry <laughs> uh, magazines. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. Yeah, I think even like on Tumblr counts as being published. 
Oh, I for sure have my secret world of Tumblr still yeah, exists. Like- <laughs> do you update it ever? Uh, I don't update it, but I do keep it because there's times when I'm at open mics and stuff and I, I can find some like my older poetry because I, I've done so many open mics and I run the slam. So like, I feel like if anyone frequents my events, they've heard my poems multiple yeah. times. And so sometimes I'll try to scroll back like as far as I can and find an old poem that no one's heard before. Do you know what you're going to title your, your poetry book? Who cares? Oh yeah. <laughs> As a the, homage. Gotta to stick the, yeah. to the roots. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. When Stephanie and I were coming, we're trying to come up with this oh, is so embarrassing. God. We were trying to come up with podcast names for like a year. And like <laughs> turning over all these things. And I think one of them that we oh, almost went with No, I have I still have the hand Instagram handle for this. We were gonna we we honestly considered titling our podcast What Even Is This? What even is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure out what it even is. I also yeah. think we had, why are you doing this? Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Well, because, who cares? Because it's a perfect. Who cares? Yeah, like, <laughs> well, I love also it. every single person we talked to is like, so why are you doing a podcast? <laughs> We're like, cause we want to like, well, yeah. I don't really have an answer. <laughs> no, are there any no. um, consistent themes throughout your poetry? Like, do you find yourself writing about? Yeah. I definitely have a couple concurrent themes. Um, I would say the top four are the number one theme is like most of me writing about what I don't know. Cause I just like, I feel like there's a lot in life I haven't figured out or I like brood over the same issues over and over. And like, I am one of those people who want an answer for everything. I want to know a why for everything. And sometimes there is no why. And so I think the number one thing I write about is like me trying to figure it out or like me just not getting it or not knowing what I want to figure out. Second theme is blues. So uh, lots of different blues music and different blues themes. I'm a huge blues music addict. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. I one love of my blues, favorite yeah. poems I've ever written is called New Blues. And so that's like my favorite. I love that poem. So I'm also going to do a chapbook, which What's is a, a small collection of poems. So it's like 30 poems that you do in like a small little tiny like paperback chapbook. So I want to do one of those with and it's usually theme based. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're all like similar themes. Yeah. So I want to do that about blues. There you go. Yeah. Like different like your different takes on it. Yeah. Times 30. Yeah. <laughs> 30 of those. Yeah. Uh, that like gives me ang- that the thought of that gives me so much anxiety. I think it's an awesome opportunity for exploration. I think it's I already like, have 30 poems yeah, about I'm blues. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh you God, take a topic yeah. and you're like, how can I explore this? You know, that's, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like 30 of those is like just exploring every minute detail and then being able to expand on it. Yeah, and it does have different, like, there's definitely different sides of it and there's different interpretations of poems. I've yeah. been, I've heard from many of my poet friends who as soon as you start explaining a poem, like it's lost its magic. So yeah. that's one thing I have, I tend to want to explain everything I do because that's how my brain works. Um, okay, so after blues, it's probably, I write about the moon a lot. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so nighttime and the moon. And then, yeah, maybe maybe it was just three. Maybe I I lied. Maybe there are I was going to say, you came out the gate. You're like, like, I have have four four that I write about all the time. (laughs) I was like, you were ready ready. for this question. (laughs) Uh, I know, but then I, I think the fourth topic is a general, I would say a general, generality of, um... When I get writer's block the most is when I sit down. I'm like, what I want to write about? And for some reason, I put all this pressure on myself that I have to write about something that's timeless and mm. is important. Like, I don't want to just write about, you know, Nike shoes. Or I don't want to write yeah. about, like, the dude I had a crush on last week. Like, that to me feels very fleeting and unimpressive. And, like, why would I write about that? So, um, 
I think like really big things I write about like depression and anxiety and like like things that I think a lot of people deal with like I want to write about some shit that's like meaningful and like people can relate to so yeah that's awesome doesn't have like an actual topic but like that whole general theme amazing yeah. I think that's that's it for today I know we, I, I know I know <laughs> I know we have to wrap it up um but thank you yeah. so much oh for can being I plug on my Instagram yes oh my god plug oh, yeah. it girl <laughs> yeah we have time Hell for that yeah. uh so my, I so I used to go by who cares and now I now go by Spice Lioness. Yes. So I signed most yes. of my poems as Spice, but so my Instagram. Which is super cute. Thanks. Uh, or S dot L, whatever I'm in the mood for. <laughs> so uh, my Instagram is Spice Lioness, just one word. Yeah. Yes, Spice and you Lioness. should be tapping her into that Leo thing there with the it lioness. It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but her Instagram is inspiring, and I definitely get a lot of joy from it. So I think you should follow. Yeah, and that's where I post about all my poetry events that I do do. So if you're interested in yes. going to a slam night or a poetry night or anything like that, I post all of it on my Instagram. Yeah. Next time you see us, Callie, we're gonna be yeah, we're at gonna a be poetry at, slam. Yeah. B- beer drinking, in hand. I'm gonna be drinking a sour and loving it. That's what I. And it's on me. For no. <laughs> free beer. No. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Callie. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. It was a blast. All right, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.